All right. Hello to all of our viewers at home and hello to our BC correspondent, Drea Humphrey. I'm Tamara Ugolini and you're joining our daily roundup, our live stream where we dissect the news of the day and top headlines of the day. So uh, I guess to remind everybody who might not be aware, today is Thursday, August the 24th. I can't believe it already. August is nearing the end. And if you do the school thing, kids will be back to school in no time. Um, and uh, I guess a, a major topic in Canada. Well, before we get into the news, Drea, how are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's definitely one of those days where I need to be reminded what day it is. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty shocked. Summer's almost over as well. And uh, for anybody new to the Daily Roundup, you should know that you can be a part of this show with us. We go over some pretty interesting current events of today's times. And then you have the option on some of the free speech platforms like Rumble and Odyssey to do a live chat there. I think it's called a Rumble Rant maybe on Rumble. And with a donation of $5 US or more, we do our very best to get through all of the comments that you do so you become a part of the show. And sometimes you guys add information that, you know, we didn't know. So it's really a fun way to do it. And it also helps us keep the lights on on Rebel News. As you know, we don't take a penny from the federal government, unlike 95% of media in Canada. So it goes a long way. So thank you for that. And just uh, quickly, Drea, we did change that $5 US donation um, to be oh. basically if you have anything like even the littlest bit helps and we understand and yeah. sympathize with the record inflation faced by all Canadians in today's economic landscape in our once great nation. Um, so we've we have done away with the five dollar minimum. I mean, of course, five dollars U.S. Uh, translates now to roughly seven and a half dollars Canadian. Yeah. Uh, it's very much appreciated. You know, those those larger donations, even if it's a little bit, if you know, ten people give a couple dollars here and there, that that adds up really quickly. But uh, in in response to some of our fans, we mm -hmm. have decided that any little bit counts. So whatever you can contribute, and of course, if you have something that's newsworthy and noteworthy to say, then by all means, yeah. uh, we will read it on screen because, yeah, Drea, as you said, um, we don't pretend to, to be these purveyors of information. We don't pretend to be the be-all, end-all, know-all of everything. And so if you have mm -hmm. a tip or a, a trick or something that you just want to share with us, your anecdotal experience or otherwise, um, that's a great way to have that kind of conversation through a screen with us and get some feedback and commentary. So um, thank you to everybody who does that because yeah, as Drea mentioned, we don't take handouts from the government. And so we can still continue to speak that truth to power because we don't get, we don't have to worry about biting the hand that feeds, so to speak. Um, and so our supporters, our viewers and our donors are who we listen to most, not the government and whatever political flavor of the day they want us to amplify on their behalf, unlike some uh, mainstream media outlets that you see happening in and around this country today. Um, so first and foremost, <laughs> we see, well, Canada's on fire, really, like there's no beating around around that bush. Um, the Western, Western Canada is largely engulfed in flames. And in, in that climate alarmism narrative that goes along with Canada being on fire from the Justin Trudeau Liberals, we see just yesterday, our Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, also the Finance Minister, 
Um, she's prancing around, of course, giving climate talks um, in her fossil fuel powered ways of transportation. Um, and we have a little clip to share with you because she actually received a speeding ticket while she was on this climate alarmism tour. Um, where she says, you know, she acknowledges that she was driving too fast and she won't do it again, apparently. Sure. Um, I'm wondering what your reaction is to the leak about your speeding ticket. Uh, and do you have concerns about the fact that that was leaked publicly? Um, so, look, um, I did get a speeding ticket driving between Grand Prairie and Peace River. I was driving too fast um, and I won't do it again. <laughs> you get one question right like these yeah. journalists the thing is okay this is you know yeah let's point it out let's let's ask her about this but I don't know if I would waste my question on something like hey you got a speeding ticket can you confirm or deny well and she also asked uh, are you concerned that it was leaked publicly so we should say it was leaked to the counter signal um but what kind of question is that? That's like the question I would ask my mom if she was in trouble, you know, like give her nudge, nudge, <laughs> this is the easy one. It's not about, you know, the fact that it was leaked publicly. It's the fact that you go around telling us uh, that you ride bicycles everywhere you go when we already know that you, of course, have a chauffeur that takes you around in a limo and you fly back and forth between Ontario and Ottawa often. But uh, you put on this facade and here you are, um, saying everything's about climate change, you have to save people, and yet you're risking people's lives uh, to go push that propaganda. And the question that comes out is, are you concerned that this information was leaked? It's horrible. Well, and when did it not become standard practice that information about politicians, like uh, the fact that yeah. we're even referring to information about politicians as being leaked, these are public officials. They yeah. need to face the public's scrutiny. So uh, something like this where, you know, personally, I don't see the big deal yet. I mean, everybody has sped one way or another in their life. Um, and, but, but, but but these are public servants, they're public officials, and they yeah. need to be held to a higher standard. And we need to continue yeah. to scrutinize them, prancing around and pretending like there's some veil of privacy and secrecy here is just really bizarre to me. And I would have used that question, you know, a speeding ticket, I thought you didn't own a car, I thought you were preaching about using fossil fuels, is it an electric car? Um, yeah, those like using that to lead into a more politically relevant question, I would yeah. think would be the way to approach something like that. I'm just shocked that this is this is the government funded media, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. that we're talking about right here in your face. Those are the kinds of questions that they ask. And it's great to use that, as I said, as sort of a precursor to lead into a legitimate question. But this in and yeah. of itself, I don't think is any form of a legitimate question. Um, and we should be not pretending that there needs to be this veil of secrecy your privacy here. They're public servants. No. They are supposed to work for us. And they hide behind um, this idea that they're so transparent and they campaign on transparency and accountability. And you can't get either of those things if we pretend mm -hmm. like there's this veil of secrecy around a public figure like Christia Freeland, who um, froze bank accounts of Canadians who opposed sure. her government's sanctions on them in terms of vaccine mandates and COVID related travel restrictions. Um, and so, you know, these are, we're, we're politically, um, 
inclined Canadians who were exercising their democratic due process to protest after being disregarded by this same government for two years. Like, let's not forget the Canadians were silenced, slandered and sneered by yeah. our media, by governments for two full years before they rallied and gathered and took to the nation's capital to air their grievances with this government. And you saw Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland order the seizure of their bank accounts, shut them all down, mm -hmm. close mm -hmm. them out um, from mm -hmm. their financial institutions. And then here she is, she can get a speeding ticket and it's all, oh, well, are you concerned that that was leaked to the public? Like, this yeah. is outrageous. And the whole, I won't do it again. Like, you're so believable. I wonder how many high fives the <laughs> officer got, uh, the officer who ticked her, got when he said, oh my gosh, I just find Christia Freeland. Like, that would have been a good moment to see. And kudos to the uh, whistleblower in this case. Um, I don't know how easy it is to see how people... Um, you know, traffic violations in Alberta, but it's super easy in BC, right? It's completely public. We have a whole site. You can search people's names and see it, everything they've done on the road. But uh, yeah, that would have been a moment that I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall. <laughs> well, um, only in Alberta, right? I would not expect that from the Ontario Provincial Police, that they would pull over someone like Deputy Minister Christia Freeland and uh, she would not get away with it scot-free. Um, so I think yeah, that this is point. only only likely to have happened in Alberta. So thank you to I, the <laughs> kind of... Maybe um, BC too, because a lot of times when I cover protests, there are a lot of officers that, you know, will whisper or shake my hand or and say, you know, we really appreciate what you're doing. So maybe, uh, maybe she would have got the fine in BC too. You never know. And likely uh, Saskatchewan as well. <laughs> yeah. um, well, while she's on this tour... Um, as I mentioned, preaching about climate change and climate alarmism and there being this emergency that we all have to be taxed to the grave about uh, or to counteract somehow taxes will stop wildfires. Um, we have another little clip here from the same to sh from the same deputy, uh, Minister Christia Freeland, urging Canadians to recognize <clears throat> that climate change is in fact real. It's not this elusive theory. No, it is real. And she wants you to believe it. Um I really believe, you know, having just a couple of days ago, being up in Northern Alberta in the peace country, having met people fleeing forest fires, um, it just brought home to me in that really personal way, uh, how devastating the impact of climate change is. It's not a theory anymore. It's something that so many people are feeling across the country. And earlier this summer, I was in um, Nova Scotia and saw the impacts of devastating climate events there. So, and I think all Canadians recognize that climate change is real, that it's having an impact on us, and we need to act. And I think as a country, we can take pride in the fact that we are acting. We're taking real action that is making a difference. Our emissions are starting to go down, even as our economy grows. That's exactly what needs to happen. We did something a federal government has never done before, which is we put in place very, very significant electricity tax credits that public utilities can apply for, and so can private ones. And the reason we did that was, yes, to help Canada accomplish the green transition more quickly, 
but also crucially, and this is there in black and white in the budget, to ensure that even as we were moving towards clean energy, we were going to have enough electricity for the green transition, and that regular Canadians, when they paid their electricity prices, were not feeling any pain. No, they want us to feel the pain with gas, with the carbon tax, with the fossil fuels, so that we are all forced to transition under this veil of green transition to yeah. electricity, which our grids, the infrastructure, I, I mean, we talk about this regularly on the Rebel platform. There is no, there's not enough infrastructure for electricity. Um, it's not as reliable as fossil fuels. Fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And um, this really, it's just her saying that um, that the, the climate change and the and global warming is not a theory anymore. Well, when did that happen? When you know this is all based on modeling yeah, and predictions. It's the exact same stuff that happened, and it really woke people up through the COVID hysteria because they mm-hmm. saw. Well, you've predicted this. You have this doom and gloom, these doomsday predictions, and they never came to fruition. So, what was was this based on actual science, or is all this all just theorized modeling? And a lot of people started to see that this was all based on the latter theorized modeling and mm-hmm. there wasn't any science or clear evidence-based decisions that were happening uh, across the board with this narrative from governments down to institutions down to the supposed experts that continued to mm-hmm. be amplified um and this, so the same thing is very much happening with this climate alarmism this is all based on theory it's all based on modeling it's all doom and gloom i mean I'm old enough yeah. to remember peak oil. We were supposed to run out of, of oil. I think it was in the year 2000 or after, um, and that didn't happen. And there, so there's been these the consecutive times in history we can look back to to see where these theories never came to fruition. And so mm-hmm. for her to come out and say it's not a theory anymore, we know. Like, I'm just so curious, and that would have been you know another great question to ask. Well, when did it go from when being did, a, yeah. a theory to a fact? When did that yeah, happen? That, can you share with us? Like, where's the study? Yeah. Where where can we find that information? Um, yeah, and conflating exactly. natural disasters with climate change. I mean, you just need to have a little bit of critical thought to see how this does not make sense and doesn't add up. Yeah, and it reminds me a little bit of like the play on words. Like people know that the climate changes. It's the alarmism and um, not looking at the full picture of how it can be similar back in years 50 years ago, 50 years ago as it is now and things like that. And it reminds me of the COVID when they would say, they would always say anybody who critiqued the measures or whatever thinks that there is no virus going around. And sure, there was a small amount who didn't, but most people were like, no, we just think that natural immunity works and things like that. So they totally dismiss it. But I was, um, you know, in looking for another report, because of course, BC is getting hit really hard with these fires. Um, I think I shared the link, but I was looking at the BC government's wildfire averages. And this is Um, you know, the current 10-year average. So again, you really get a better picture when you look at more years to see that there is alarmism happening. But even when you look at this chart, um, you can see that, for example, last year, 2022, there was 1,801 fires. 
Interestingly, 2020, 670 fires. <laughs> I guess that was a virus year or something like that. Um, but less people were out. At the top of the chart, it even says that on average, 42% of these are human-caused. Um, so it was a very interesting chart. And if you go all the way down, like because it shows the hectares that were damaged as well. But if you scroll down and you look at 2009, we had 3,064 fires in BC, um, which of course affected more hectares than last year. So anyways, it's just, you're right. Like when did it become that everything that's happening, there, every single fire, um, you know, wildfire is equated to climate change. And that's because that's where the goal goes. And the tax um, benefit that she sort of mentioned reminds me a lot of how the liberals, like when you talk about inflation, they're like, but we're helping people with dental. It's like they do that. That one thing that they can keep bringing up to sort of uh, put a Band-Aid on everything else. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, we're going to continue to tax you. And I, I just uh, wrote a piece up yesterday. It's 45% of the average Canadians in the average family's income goes to taxes, 45%. Yeah. And so, um, and we've only seen that increase under the bureaucracy yeah. of the Justin Trudeau Liberals. And so, yeah, instead of saying like, oh, we're looking at tax breaks, we're looking to cut back our bureaucracy, it's become too bloated, there's too many bureaucrats, we've inflated their wages. Um, mm -hmm. Instead of looking at reasonable and tangible ways to make life more affordable for Canadians, they just continue to increase the tax amount that Canadians pay yeah. while throwing these willy-nilly rebates back at you, which don't even at the end of the day cover the amount, the exorbitant amount in taxes that we're paying. So. I think that's why people are more and more appreciating um, the what Pierre Polyev's platforming on, which is to bring reason back and logic back into the lives of everyday Canadians. I mean, conservatives are traditionally the fiscal responsibility, fiscally responsible. Um, their party platform is really about the hardworking average Canadian. And those are who have been affected the most by the policies mm -hmm. and the platform implementations of the Liberals. Um, so I think that now people are really starting to feel it. They're, it's starting to hit them where it hurts, which is in their pocketbooks. And it's left many Canadians wondering, you know, are we getting more bang for our buck as we pay more taxes? Are we really yeah. getting a government that is more responsible and delivering more services and so on and so forth? And the writing, I, I think, is there on the wall that we can see very clearly that is just simply not the case. Um yeah. And it's only going to get worse, sadly, as we move to this idea of net zero and um, pushing the agenda 2030. And now it's, I think, you know, being pushed to agenda 2035 because we can't meet the target goals of 2030 in terms of green energy and renewables because they're just not reliable. There may be environments and climates. And I mean, just like your general climate from the difference between Northern Alberta and Southeastern Ontario, for instance, like there's vast climate differences in those jurisdictions. And so when I refer to climate, that's what I'm referring to, because that is what it's, you know, that's the the, the textbook definition of climate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there may be climates where these renewables work and they're effective, um, but it's certainly not up in North Northern Alberta um, and BC, which, you know, you, you get you have an entire season. I mean, it's always rainy season in BC, it seems. So um, do you think that solar panels are really going to be an effective way to generate energy that's reliable and consistent enough for people when they need it? 
Um, mm -hmm. And we're seeing more and more that that's just not going to happen. The infrastructure isn't there. And unless we want to continue on this trajectory of being taxed to essentially death, financial ruin, yeah. um, the infrastructure is not going to be there. So I don't know why the liberals keep beating this dead horse. I think that it's pretty clear that this is illogical and not responsible governance. Mm -hmm. Speaking of people beating things to <laughs> beating a dead <laughs> horse, we've got a tweet from Catherine McKenna. <laughs> On the same thing. She's so very worried about Canadians catching on to what's going on. Uh, she says, very worrying time for the prime minister to convene Canada's top climate scientists, including Hay Hale, I don't know if I said that right, to give a science briefing to Canadians. Invite the premiers to sit in the front row and stream to homes and schools across the country, you know, with a peer, our eyelids open. Basically, she's concerned that the <laughs> article there, the, the article there, CTV says that, you know, I think it was three out of five Canadians, if you want to put it back on in case I'm getting it wrong. Yeah, three in five Canadians attribute climate change and global warming to human activity. Well, you saw in that chart that I said there is a significant chunk where it is to human activity. That's not a conspiracy. Uh, you know, we don't need to be peeled to our screens to watch the propaganda tube. Um, and I know Alberta's uh, premier has come out and said there is a lot that are even arson, uh, let alone just, you know, somebody flicking their cigarette or what have you. Um, but it also reminds me, and, and again, we learned so much during the COVID time, especially when it came to censorship, center, censorship of the scientists censorship of the doctors but really that was actually happening with the climate change stuff before it got really heavy with COVID I can remember um uh, we've interviewed the lady from Friends of Science um Michelle Sperling quite a few times and uh, they had a petition about Trudeau and and being censored even on YouTube here and actually it is in the terms and conditions that we have to be careful about what we say about climate change on YouTube as well um, mm -hmm. but yeah. there have been hundreds of Canadian science scientists um, who have been censored on this message this article here I, I, I can share it real quick um, but I, I won't really go through it but it's just a, a good article and it's from 2017 and it just talks about what happens when there are scientists who have a different theory on the climate alarmism, you know, when they get approached because, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're well credentialed and, you know, journalists reach out to them and say, hey, like, what's your thoughts on this? And uh, one of the scientists just goes through the process of what happens as soon as, you know, their their theory, their opinions, their research doesn't align with the narrative, uh, you know, they, they completely get ghosted or even worse, they get their time wasted to go ahead and do the interview and uh, it just never airs. It just, you know, evaporates into thin air. Um, so that is just to point out that this is the, the silencing on this issue on the other side of the story with this issue has been happening for a very long time. We saw it with um, Patrick Moore as well um, being canceled at events. So um, it's not surprising to me that Canadians are, you know, starting to catch on here. And uh, but people like Catherine McKenna are like, oh, we're losing traction here, you know, pump up the propaganda. We've got to fix this. Well, yeah, the way exactly I was going to say the way I read that tweet is just propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. Let's make sure that as Canadians, 60% of them, so three and five roughly, as they're agreeing with the government that this is a human uh, made phenomenon, let's hit them with the propaganda so that we get 
those numbers boosted right, right up. We need everybody agreeing that this is a man-made thing and that we have to increase the taxes to deal with it. And um, the, what they are effectively doing is quelling the Canadi Canadians' ability to travel and to do things like uh, fly and take a train and even put gas into mm. their car to get to and from work. I mean, the viral TikToks that I've seen and other social media platform videos uh, that I've seen coming from Canadians, all walks of life, all demographics, stating just how much of a struggle it is to get ahead or even to feed their families, to put fuel in their car. I'm really nervous for this winter to heat our homes uh, as yeah. the devastatingly cold winters approach into December, January, February. Um, but the thing I wanted, I and I pulled up the actual Research Co. Um, web page that is linked in that CTV article. And then they also have another link down toward the bottom of their page where you can access their data tables. And I mean, they interviewed... Or, or sorry, the data is collected based on the response of a thousand Canadians. So, mm, I, so I can see not... how that can be extrapolated, but I also take that with a grain of salt. I think this is a really small sample size, um, mm -hmm. but you can you can just look at their own data tables. And I don't know, uh, I'm having a difficult time. Zo oh, there we go, zooming in because um, they they asked them. Just even the framing of the questions, right, can really predict yeah, how the survey results come out. And so the way that they ask these questions, um, they said global warming is a fact and is mostly caused by emissions from vehicles and industrial facilities. And that was that was where 60% of Canadians agreed yes. Um, and then they said global warming is a fact and is mostly caused by natural changes. That was the next highest demographic to say yes. And then global warming is a theory that has not yet been proven or not sure. So you can kind of, I always urge people, and I know that this has been deemed, you know, far right extremism, but to do your own research, <laughs> yeah. right? To just simply Agreed. like, there's a link there and they make it, they've, I've noticed lately with mainstream media, they used to just say sources say, or they'd say report by so-and-so right. and you'd have to go and search it out for yourself. And now I've noticed more and more that they're starting to actually link back to their sources and link those reports. So you don't have to go and do that work for yourself. It's all easy to access there. Um, mm. but yeah, I would always urge people to go in and check that yeah. right fact, check the media and what they're telling you and make sure that, that they haven't spun it in a way that fits their narrative. And here, yeah. um, I think just the way that they pointed these questions and the, the, the questions yeah. that were asked uh, mm -hmm. could really sway how people responded. Um, and there's interesting parts too, like people, you know, I won't get all into the nitty gritty of the questions that they asked, but uh, one of them in particular at the very, the very last page of this research co study, they said, um, they asked parents of children age zero to 18, what they had done in order to, um, or what conversations they had had with their children about climate change and if it had motivated them to do any of the following. And one of the questions was reduce your consumption of meat. And 28% of parents of children aged zero to 18 said that they were having that conversation wow. and they were motivated to do that. Um, and so that's wow. kind of like where these, this, this tiptoe is happening into agenda 2030, right? It's the climate crisis and the climate alarmism and you have to, we have to tax you. And also mm -hmm. you have to do your part to do things like it says, recycle more, take shorter showers, 
Like, do you think Justin Trudeau is taking shorter showers? I mean, really, do you think Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland is up there not having a jacuzzi hot tub in her hotel while she's up preaching to the little plebs about climate change and how you must do your part? Drive less than usual. Well, and then that's the next one is reduce your consumption of meat. So yeah, that's kind of, again, you can start to see the writing on the wall here where this is going to take us. And it will be eat the bugs as we have a shirt, I think, in the Rebel News store with Klaus Schwab there urging you to get your daily cricket feast on. But uh, so you can see these things. And I'm I have uh, skepticism that this survey was conducted in a way that wouldn't have swayed people to respond in a certain manner to um, further reinforce this narrative. Yeah, exactly. And so it looks like there's a nine percent nine point decrease in the percentage of Canadians who attribute global warming to human activities. And interesting, one thing they say is 20 um was about the Conservative Party. Only 47% mm-hmm. of Conservative Party voters uh, feel the same way as, um, you know, the Canadians who said it, global warming is a reality. But again, you're right. It's the way the question is, like, you might agree with some of it, but not all of it. So you have to go one way or the other. And the kids are affected. Back to the cricket talk, I remember doing a report on this dad who was mortified and his child was, uh, you know, with it enough to bring the assignment home. The child's I forget the age, I want to say 11, but basically he refused to do the assignment. It was about how great it is to eat crickets. And this was in a suburb uh, about 45 minutes out of Vancouver called Maple Ridge. And he brought it home and it was like glorifying cricket eating and glorifying the um, the faculty you guys have out, out in Ontario there and how great it is. And say, yeah, there's the article. Good job. You guys are so good, Efron and Olivia. But there is the article right there on the screen. And it's just mortifying because the average kid doesn't know. They're just looking at it and they're quoting um Angelina Jolie. Her kids say it tastes so great. Taste tastes like Doritos. And I think in the video oh, we, gross. Uh, in the video report, we show her and her kids eating spiders. Like, you know, this is not who I want my kids modeling themselves after. So yeah, it's it's um again another reminder to keep an eye on what your kids are learning in schools because most of them, you know, they just they just trust their teachers. Um yes. and just kind of go with the flow. So yeah. It's it is really concerning what's happening in the school system because because at one on one hand you do want your kids to be able to trust your the teachers right. and you know respect people in authority and have that level of it's 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 innocence right that they yeah. i have a teacher teaching me this stuff and this seems all great and jolly and they go home yeah. and, and the parents are like wait a minute this isn't what it seems right and you have yeah. to give that good balance but it's also also a great reminder that we can be respectful and we can respect authority, but we can also challenge and question authority. And so that was something that was really ingrained um, into me at a very young age is that you can have respect for people and maybe their uh, views and opinions are different than yours, but you still have the ability to question them, to challenge what they're saying. If something doesn't make sense to you, 100% speak speak up and ask those questions, even if you're wrong, because that's where debate and learning, the mm-hmm. real tangible learning occurs, right? When you are wrong and you question something and you can have that discussion. And so um, I think that will segue us into our next topic because we're going to talk about some fact-checking and some censorship. But before we get to that, um, we have a super chat here from Fraser McBurney. Thank you, Fraser. Hey, he says, with the flu season just around the corner, <laughs> And the evil empire mm-hmm. planning to jab us, uh, jab us. Just remember this: fool me once, shame 
on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Will you take the jabs and masks? Not me. You know, I think that's a great point, Frazier, because we see these mumblings coming uh, more and more within the mainstream media that mask mandates are coming back and lockdowns for October. And it's hard to sift through and decipher and discern what is accurate and what is not. Um, But I think I, I, I personally hope that people would be privy to all of this by now and would not comply the way that they saw in 2020 and throughout 2021. Um, There's active litigation happening in the courts, like things are, are we're, we're much further along now than we were in 2020. And so so I think there's an opportunity. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay, Jay. I was just going to say, I think there's an opportunity to get out there and talk to your community and even for media outlets to get out there and talk to people on the ground. What are they thinking? What is their, you know, what, how are they responding to these headlines? Will they comply into the fall mm-hmm. if these restrictions and mandates try to rear their heads again? I mean, in some industries, they have not, they're still there. They, the mandates never went away. But for the most part, the vast majority of society is back to as normal as possible um, pre you know, in the before times, I like to say pre-COVID hysteria 2020. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. But I don't think we'd get the compliance again. I don't think we would too. And certainly the people who, you know, took a while not to comply, you know, myself, I was, uh, you know, following some of the rules and then towards the middle, no. Um, Of course, there would be a stronger push right away. Um, So I think it would be difficult to do that, but also just you know, I found my people, I found my stores, I found my restaurants, I found my community. So it's almost like mm-hmm. if it does come back, it it really doesn't affect me in a big enough way. So that's what I would really encourage people to do. Don't forget, um, you know, the businesses that, you know, make sure to remember the businesses that accepted things like mass mandate or mass exemptions and things like that, you know, keep supporting them, keep going on with the relationship that you had. And if things happen again, then you know where you go, you're good. That's a great point. Yeah, I completely agree with that. We really discovered who was who and uh, where they were willing to draw the line. And so we actually still continue to go out of our way to support certain businesses. And we do not support others, um, knowing how they acted and some of the things, some of the ways that they treated people. I just, sorry, I can't get behind a business that operates like that. I um, haven't been back to not Starbucks to say that they should, for years. <laughs> <laughs> not to say they should be they canceled, the worst. but money speaks, right. right? Money talks. And so we we like to make sure that we talk with our dollars. Um, anyway, we'll go to a quick ad break and then we'll come back to talk about more censorship and uh, fact checking. Have you seen our new documentary, Church Under Fire, Canada's War on Christianity, yet? Well, if you haven't, you have not missed your chance. The documentary details the trials and persecutions of the pastors and congregations who stood up to the lockdowns when COVID restrictions came to their churches. We have taken the documentary across the country to bring it to the people who lived the stories we tell inside of it but we're not done yet. We've just added new showings in Alberta. To get details and showtimes, please go to churchunderfiremovie.com, but I'll give you a few right now. We've got a showing in Lethbridge on August 23rd, one in Red Deer on August 24th, Edmonton, August 25th, Mirror, Alberta, that's drive-in movie, August 26th, and Westlock, Alberta, August 27th. If you are someone 
or you know someone interested in hosting a rebel screening of Church Under Fire, you can contact us. The information is at that same website, churchunderfiremovie.com. We're facing an imminent threat. A planned blackout of all news content in Canada is coming to Facebook and Instagram, threatening to silence rebel news and those who depend on us for the other side of the story. The cause? Well, Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, which demands social media companies pay news outlets for the news stories their users share on the platform. It's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. It seems the billions in taxpayer subsidies just aren't enough to keep the country's propagandists in business. But Meta, Facebook's parent company, has chosen to block Canadian news content rather than comply, Rebel News included. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. But fear not, we have had a plan to protect your access to our news content. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, PIA, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices. And unlike other VPN providers, PIA does not store any user data as it's automatically deleted from their servers to avoid leaks and government subpoenas for information. Their servers are located in all 50 states, not the ones in communist China. You can visit PIAVPN.com slash Rebel News and enjoy an exclusive 83% discount and four months free. Use it to bypass regional restrictions and stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world. And stick it to Trudeau's new censorship law. Safeguard freedom of speech and join us to combat Trudeau's censorship today at PIAVPN.com slash Rebel News. Such an exciting partnership. And also, I want to reiterate that if you're in and around the Red Deer area, uh, the documentary screening is happening at the uh, at Carnival Cinemas tonight, 6 p.m. And then tomorrow, they'll be in Edmonton. And then the following day, uh, Saturday, we'll be at the Whistle Stop in Mirror, Alberta. Um, and then Westlock, Alberta. So there's a whole bunch of, of yeah. different locations over the coming days to check out. Really exciting stuff for Alberta. Um, and they're, we're so excited to be there. I think Lethbridge last night was sold out. So just a reminder too, if you're waiting, you're not sure you haven't got your tickets yet. I would say head on over there and scoop them up before they're gone. Because I, I believe all of the screenings apart from maybe one, and I could be getting confused with the Tamara Leach book signing tour because we have both kind of happening at the same time, but the vast majority of these screenings, if not all of them, have been selling out, which is really great to see. It's always amazing to connect with everybody in person um, yeah, because we I... get censored online. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's a little bit of a delay in case people are like, Drea's so rude. She keeps interrupting Tamara. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like it's done for me. But I was just going to say, yeah, in the BC, it was definitely sold out. Uh, for the screening and there was people saying can I still get in and it's a must see even if you're not a Christian you're going to want to see this because it really does show just how mm -hmm. far Canada fell and hopefully um, well and possibly is continuing to fall when it comes to an important freedom uh, like freedom of religion which also means the freedom to not have a religion you're not forced to have a religion here too so it's a uh, definitely really well done film. 
And that includes, I guess, also the freedom to not comply with the religion of Covidia, which is yeah. what many COVID hysterics have kind of coined um, that whole unfolding that people who were just so keen on complying and wanted the iron fist of the government and health, mm -hmm. the health units to Worship come down the on government. anybody who... Yeah, exactly. Uh, so here in Canada, one of the very first people to speak out for, in favor of upholding free speech, or in Canada, we have freedom of expression, which is kind of the umbrella for things like freedom of speech and freedom of thought, so on and so forth. Um, and recently, so that's uh, thought leader Jordan Peterson, and he's been speaking out against this stuff since, oh, I don't know, 2015, 2016, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, but just yesterday, an Ontario court has dismissed his request for a judicial review of a re-education order. So Jordan Peterson um, is being is governed essentially as a clinical psychologist by the College of Psychologists of Ontario, and there was a, I think about a hundred or so complaints launched against him to his regulator. He's not practicing currently, but he is still licensed, um, and so roughly a hundred maybe 200 complaints were launched against him over tweets he was making or, or social media posts that went against, you know, talked about things like overpopulation, transgenderism, environmentalism, and then of course, COVID-19. But the funny thing here is that none of these people were his patients. As I mentioned, yeah, he's not course. practicing. He's not a practicing clinical psychologist, but he is a licensed clinical psychologist. So he mm -hmm. is still uh, falls under the jurisdiction of this college, this regulator. And mm -hmm. so in response to these complaints, the um, he was ordered to undergo re-education training from this uh, chosen puppet from the college wanted to to re-educate Peterson. And so he tried to appeal and fight this decision. And then just yesterday, um, he was ordered by an Ontario court to pay $25,000 in legal costs to the CPO as part of the ruling. And so this came as a result of him being ordered to participate in a specified continuing education or remedial program regarding professionalism in public statements by the inquiries, complaints and reports committee of the CPSO or sorry, the CPO. Uh, and that was launched against him in November of 2022. <clears throat> it's the article here that was written by our editor, chief editor, uh, Sheila Gunn Reed says a series of complaints have been formally filed and tweeted at the CPO regarding Peterson's statements and mm -hmm. um, she gets into, she she explains a little bit about the ruling by the Ontario Superior Court, Justice Backhouse, Shabas, and Krachenko. Sorry if I butchered any of those. Um, obviously, Peterson refused to sign this undertaking placed mm -hmm. on him by his regulator um, and was prepared to vigorously defend his rights and free expression. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, unfortunately, the court has ruled in favor of the CPO. And so we're not sure yet what Peterson's next steps will be. But we have this page, uh, SavePeterson.com, where yeah. you can call or email the college to offer mm -hmm. up your support of what Jordan Peterson stands for, which is quite literally just freedom of expression, the, the ability to express your thoughts and mm -hmm. your words in a way um, that is obviously 
respectful, but some have, you know, contorted and spun into being somehow violent or um, suppressive. And I think that when we remove those thoughts and ideas from the freedom or from the arena of ideas, that's a very dangerous Mm -hmm. place to be in. Because if you're wrong, well, you can still be wrong, right? You have the right to say something, even if it's wrong, because in the arena of ideas, in our social society, you can be debated and proven to be wrong. And so what's so harmful in having that debate and that discussion? Even if you're wrong, you should be able to say whatever it is that you're going to say because society will deal with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't see like, what the harm is there. I, exactly. There's, there's no, it's an opinion. It shouldn't be harmful. Uh, like you said, it's <laughs> nothing to do with his actual patience. He's not giving these, you know, someone's coming mm-hmm. to him and then he's, uh, you know, saying, hey, just randomly, like, you know, uh, biological men shouldn't be in women's sports. Um, this is actually very concerning. This should be a red flag for all Canadians. And I think I did an article where I pointed out, you know, it's not just Jordan Peterson. I think that might have been the title um, because, of course, he's getting the most attention mm-hmm. because so many people love him. So many people know how much good he does do in his speeches, like promoting fatherhood and family, things like that. So they're really aware of this. But There are, as we know, a lot of the COVID doctors who are being persecuted in the same way by their colleges for speaking out. Um, And even sort of very similar to uh, Jordan Peterson, there's a nurse out in BC named Amy Hamm who, you know, went through and I think um, is still on sort of pause with her hearing uh, for speaking out for some of the same things that Jordan Peterson sort of has mentioned mainly on Twitter and things like that. Yeah, there's the article there. So the licensing colleges Mm -hmm. have really become like an arm of the state. Uh, And when it's wrong, think you better watch out. You're going to be threatened $25,000 now. Thankfully, of course, Jordan Peterson can pay that. um, But that's enough to break someone, uh, especially since many times you're not working when you're going through these things. Uh, It looks like Jordan Peterson has come out and said what he's going to do. There is a CBC article where he says he will go through the training and he will broadcast it, which, you know, it reminds me of the scripture of... uh, you know, in the Bible where it says God like uses all things for good in the end anyways, because, you know, it's going to get a a ton of views. It's going to wake up way more people about what's happening in Canada. Um, You know, the U.S. is already mortified looking at some of the things that's happening over here. So you're going to have a lot of attention on this, unlike some of, you know, the smaller or less known people who have been suffering similar things as uh, Peterson. And you mentioned a hundred complaints. There's a tweet um, from Dr. Jordan Peterson that says it was 13 complaints in the last six years about uh, his ideas and opinions. So I'm not sure what the difference is there. So he says seven 75,000 signatures and counting on this petition calling on the Ontario College of Psychologists to abandon their forced re-education plans versus 13 complaints in the last six years about my ideas and opinions. What say you um, to the mm-hmm. CPO or CP Ontario protected? So his college, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm very interested to see what the broadcast will be. What will this re-education training look like? Um, especially when it's going up against such a brilliant mind. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever seen some of the beginning interviews that were done with uh, Dr. Peterson when he was 
he was refusing in Canada to use pronouns, basically. I think they were the Zer pronouns that he was uh, being told as a professor he had to do. And he was like, yeah, no, that's not English. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And he was having really good debates. Uh, the students were coming out and debating and tossing ideas and things like that. And there's this, this one interview, I'm sure there was more than one, and I wish I could remember what news it was, but they kind of have him up there uh, and, uh, a trans pro, uh, professor, and I think they really thought they were going to take him down, and he just uh, blew them out of the water with his, of course, wise and smart remarks. Um, yeah, that might be it. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think that is it. But I think this is going to be another one of those episodes where, yeah, it might cost $25,000, but it's in the end, it's going to do more good than harm for people really being aware of how bad censorship and threatening to professionals who speak out has become. Yeah, and it's the exact same thing that's happening with the CPSO, and I slipped that earlier, um, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, for mm -hmm. revoking, removing, suspending the licenses of practicing medical doctors and well, physicians yeah. and surgeons in Ontario uh, for simply questioning the narrative. We had, I mean, there's countless doctors here who have no have been prevented their ability to treat patients during a patient uh, mm -hmm. practitioner crisis right? We don't yeah. have enough doctors to keep uh, sustaining the medical system, uh, which our taxpayers payer dollars pay into and fund uh, doctors like Dr. Patrick Phillips, Dr. Mark Trosi, uh, Dr. Crystal Lutchkew. And there are more and more that grow Dr. Apgar Khan. Um, and this is really directly affected patients, right? They, and these complaints didn't, they, they came from some unknown entity. None of their patients complained against their conduct or the way that they were practicing medicine. This came from their, their administration in the hospitals that they were working in the emergency departments of or otherwise. Uh, when the CPSO really compelled their speech, right? The CPSO put out very generalized threatening statements throughout yeah. the COVID hysteria that basically told doctors that you have to enforce and relay the public health measures as they are without question. And if you question, well, then there will be repercussions for your license. And we saw that play out in real time. These doctors have had their licenses stripped and removed and their ability to practice medicine and deliver direct patient care has been completely decimated as a result, <clears throat> excuse me, as a result. So this isn't, yeah. yeah, as you say, exclusive to Peterson. And it really could set a good precedence for all of those other colleges who are acting similarly to the CPO. Um, and thank you for clarifying. I don't, I think it was one of Peterson's tweets when this originally happened that I'm recalling in my memory bank about a hundred <laughs> complaints, but yeah, it could be, it could have been whittled down to 13 now, um, yeah. because maybe the vast majority of them were just like random, uh, anonymous accounts and through scrutinizing this ruling and this unfolding, they've determined that a bunch of them were irrelevant or just anonymous bots. Um, so they've whittled it yeah, down to apparently 13. Yeah. And just so real quick, that's what happened. To, yeah. And just real quick to talk about what you said with the censorship, same thing out here in BC, the colleges have stripped license away from, I would call them heroes during the COVID uh, propaganda time. But uh, this one link is from a pastor or pastor, sorry, <laughs> so much persecution going on um, from a doctor out your way, Dr. Patrick Phillips. I know you've interviewed him. So have I, um, but he does a mm -hmm. tweet. I shared it um, if we can show it, but he says, if you told me three years ago when I was down a downtown Toronto condo dwelling doctor, you will be unemployed living in a two-room off-grid cabin where you slaughter and butcher your own meat, 
I would have called you insane, crazy how our lives can change. So, you know, there's one of the doctors right there. So. Yeah. And well, it was only through um, one of Rebel's investigations, and this was specific to a case launched by Abby Yamini, our Australian correspondent, where we discovered that there is this like sort of secret underground fact checking industry. Um, so I, they just put up an article, well, it's Australia time. So I guess that happened throughout the night last night, um, where Avi and Ezra, they're together currently in New Zealand. And so they got together and they're discussing this, this, uh, secret agreement. And so through access to information requests, documents and court, this court challenge launched by, uh, rebel news is Avi Mini. Uh, they have discovered that there is a major news, uh, sorry, um, hidden agreements uncovered thanks to the, the legal proceeding launched against RMIT Fact Lab. And so they have essentially partnered with Meta, so Facebook and Instagram's parent company, uh, to provide a quota-based commercial pact or agreement worth up to half a million dollars per year. And I think it's about the one minute and 30 second mark in that interview. Maybe we can just play a couple minutes there where Ezra starts to talk about it. Um, I think it's about a minute 20 maybe is where they get into the more detailed description of the case. View And that maybe New Zealanders themselves have a variety of views. And, you know, that's the rebels motto, telling the other side of the story. So I'm really glad you're here. And I'm thrilled to be here. I've never been to New Zealand before. It's great. Yeah, it's, uh, North Korea is not a bad place. But um, look, what, what I'm really, when I touched down, we had another victory at the same time. And that was, that's why we're really doing this video. Because when we touched down, I saw that what essentially was revealed through our uh, case, our uh, case against the fact checkers in Australia, that confidential agreement finally went viral and is getting the attention it deserves. Um, so I guess on it's 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 almost part of the same uh, broader issue of censorship and shutting down free speech. What's your reaction to now seeing that our our supporters essentially ended up? Uh, you know, this is potentially the beginning of the end of RMIT and those fact checkers and what and their control that they've held till now. Yeah, I mean, I don't like to say that they're the fact checkers because we're all fact checkers. You fact check governments all the time. We do access to information documents. We scrum uh, politicians and ask some questions. You are a walking fact checker. And by the way, your viewers are your fact checkers. We're all fact checkers because we can all think for ourselves. But these official fact checkers pretend to be above the fray. They pretend to be some magical priests that have the only access to the truth with a capital T. But they're just like you and me. They're people with their own opinions. But they don't want to debate you and me, so they want to censor you and me. And what's so gross is that Facebook has had a contract with them, and it was a secret contract. Imagine that. You're in the business of transparency and communications and free speech, but you have a secret contract with they, they call themselves fact checkers, but they're really censors for the regime. And it was only because you took a stand against the unethical fact checkers that Facebook hired from RMIT that we were able to smoke out that agreement and make them release it to the public. And good for Rukshan Fernando for finding that in the court and publishing it. And now, holy moly, has that taken on a life of itself. I see Sky News Australia has just gone running with it. 
I hope you're right. I hope it marks the beginning of the end for the secretive, this club of people who think they know better than you and me, but will never debate you and me, but want to censor you and me. So good on you and good on the viewers who chipped in to get. Yeah. So there you have it. Exactly what I was saying there. Like, why can't we have a debate, have a discussion, this need for censorship? And obviously there's big bucks, right? We That's been uncovered yeah. here. It's big money to censor people who disagree with and threaten your narrative, which you will arguably capitalize and profit off of. So that's what we're seeing yeah. happening also with the green energy and eating the bugs. And, uh, and so on and so forth. It's really this, this weird kind of corporate fascist government overtake that seems to be happening. If I can kind of like meld all of those buzzwords into one, um, it's, uh, it's really concerning and really also really interesting to be kind of part of an organization that is shedding light on all of this, that is uncovering this. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, (laughs) it's something that we all suspect, but you have the proof now you can see it it's in the writing yeah. you can you have the documents um and so there's no there's it's no longer a theory right it's a fact and that's what i like exactly. to sift out and find and i like what ezra said there too is that you know you who are watching you're also our fact checkers you know don't get lazy mm-hmm. you know we assume that uh, you like us perhaps we're your favorite news organization but you know even make sure you're fact checking what we say too right you want to just don't let your exactly. guard down and make sure you're you know, being informed properly. And it, as a little side note, it was really nice to see the hardworking boss on a beach. Hopefully, he's getting a little sand in his toes, <laughs> even though he's still working. That was that was nice to see. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so we just have a a few super chats to read here. One of them, actually, I'm I'm going to get. We'll we'll have to get off of YouTube just to even read um this this one super chat so i'm going to read the last one that just came in and then we will say goodbye to our youtube channel we'll switch over to those other platforms that don't have these heavy-handed community standards arguably because they're working in conjunction with uh fact checkers and giving them a hefty dollar to enforce their arbitrary and ambiguously worded rules. Um, but YouTube has those arbitrary and ambiguous rules. I think it was last week or the week before they changed every month they update them. And, uh, so the most recent update is very broad and far reaching, um, has Mm -hmm. implications for any sort of health misinformation that you may be found to be spreading. So, uh, I'll read this last time for them. They buy to our of course, right? Yeah, just in time to line up for your seasonal COVID jab. <laughs> AMT60 gives $5. The CPSO won't allow doctors to write mask or vax exemptions without risking their licenses. Yes, that was part of the compelled speech that they placed on doctors with one of their um, policies instituted onto all of their doctors throughout the COVID narrative. If they do mandates this fall, our doctors' hands are tied. The CPSO are dictators. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to find, I believe it was in 19, the 1980s. I was trying to, I've hyperlinked it somewhere in one of my reports because it's very hard to find. But there was a, um, a judge that wrote, medicine needs glass knobs. And um, basically, he was highlighting the concerns of the CPSO acting, as you say, more of a dictator than anything else back, and this is decades ago. Um, So I'm going to see if I can find that and and pull that up. I don't know, Dre, if you have 
uh, a comment there to give about doctors being able to write exemptions there. Just maybe I'll try to dig that up quickly here. Um, well, I can show just it on think screen. off the top of my head, a BC doctor, Dr. Stephen Malthouse was, uh, you know, he lost his license for being accused of, of, you know, doing exemptions in British Columbia, all exemptions had to go through Dr. Bonnie Henry. She's not your doctor. She's not your family doctor. She doesn't even know you by name. Um, and through some of the court cases that I covered, um, you know, it was brutal. If, if you got injured from the vaccine and uh, obviously couldn't take the second vaccine, it took months like months, if you even got the exemption from her. And it was this piece of paper. So um, you would you would go and you would try to, you know, maybe go to a movie or whatever it was, uh, a restaurant, and you pull up this little piece of paper from Bonnie Henry. Well, of course, the people at the door don't even believe you because they've been under the impression that there is no such thing as an exemption for these vaccines, number one. And, and who are they to know whether or not it's a official provincial notice? So it was so degrading, so dehumanizing. You've been maimed. I don't even know if I can finish that sentence, but you've you know, you've had uh, something happen to you. And now you have to talk to some snotty nose 16 year old to convince them that you're not lying to get into this restaurant, you know, brutal. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. And it really deflects um, the enforcement onto people who are, you know, way below the pay scale of anybody who should be enforcing such a thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I found this, this article, and it's by Justice Michael Code. And um, sorry, it was from December 2000, September of 2001. So I was, I was a bit, I was just two decades off, no big deal. Um, it comes from <laughs> one, an article that I wrote. Uh, well, we'll get, we can go back to that in a minute. But anyway, uh, basically, it's just highlighting the shortfallings of the college and the stranglehold that it has on medicine and how they interfere with a physician's ability to provide direct patient care, right? You want you don't want um, what I've previously heard as cookie cutter medicine. And so mm -hmm. what the college seems to be doing more and more of is cookie cutter medicine being really meddled by the pharmaceutical lobby, instead of making specific tailored individualized choices and evidence-based care for an individual patient. Um, so this was really highlighted and I don't know, the, the, the report itself is, you know, 60, 70 plus pages long. So it's a lengthy read, but I think it's really important that we go back and we look at the fact that all of this was brought forward and brought to the attention of Ontarians. This is specific to Ontario uh, mm -hmm. back in 2001 and nothing has changed. It's only gotten worse, especially throughout yeah. the COVID narrative. And I linked to it um, in a June 2000, so a June 2023 article about Patrick Phillips, principal Ontario physician has medical license revoked after standing up to the COVID regime. And so that's really like kind of the nail in the coffin of what happens to Dr. Patrick Phillips. And the whole article goes through that. There's a, I, I include down about halfway through the page a tweet. There's the CPSO when they compelled physicians to conduct themselves and speak in a certain manner. Mm -hmm. It's just down a little bit further. You'll see a screenshot from the CPSO itself. Um, there it is there. So you can mm -hmm. see that like, all of the facts are there, right? You can go back in and see for yourself that what I'm saying in this article is backed up by the screenshot from CPSO, from their very own website. And it gets into Dr. Abkar Khan, who's pre been prevented from providing alternative cancer treatment. And that's something that we can't talk about on YouTube. So I won't get into that uh, in more detail. 
Um, but I, I highlight here, it's a decades old issue as published by Michael Justice Michael Code and so on and so forth. There's tons of hyperlinks in there. Um, I always try to do that in my reports just to, if yeah. anybody who wants to dig further can go and do your own research, even Me though yeah. uh, the, the Canadian Institute for Health Research, the CIHR actually called this like far right misinformation to tell people to go and do their own research. So mm-hmm. um, it's such a backwards, bizarre world that we live in. But anyway, we will say bye to our YouTube viewers. And I'll just read this last super chat that we have. I don't think any more have come in Mm -hmm. since we started to discuss this. And while we're switching Um, over, in case those of you don't know about Bill 36, and maybe Tamara, keep your eye out in case some sort of legislation is going to end up happening in Ontario. But it's a very concerning um, legislation that has been passed in BC. It replaces the health professions and occupations act and now what they're going to do is take these colleges the government is taking these colleges and whittling them down to a goal of six colleges which will be even more problematic because now it's less that you're even dealing with doc like if you're psychologist it's not even necessarily going to be all psychologists you're dealing with it's just going to be this um you know conflict of interest riddled uh, groups that are going to be managing and there's so much more like the government is going to be able to compel these medical professionals to release their patients information um, if you search rebel news and bill 36 you'll see lots of the reports that i've done on it but um, something that all british and british Columbians should be aware of and all canadians in case something like that is uh, making its way to your province Yeah, it's really a centralization of power when, in fact, what works the best seems to be a local decentralized medical medical establishment. And that's what we see happening with the with the World Health Organization and this Mm -hmm. global oligarchy. You know, they want centralized power and to disregard what individual communities and individual people need. It's all about having the greater good. And so, you know, we could go off into that a little bit more but I, we're off of youtube now so i'm just going to read this uh this one super oh, chat if free. i can find it free it's like there we're we moving are. your bra <laughs> <laughs> it truly that's a great metaphor for anybody anyone who's a for the, for the lady uh, um yeah i'm, I'm a bit a bra wearer i don't know if we can call you women anymore a, a breast owner <laughs> yeah. is that what we have to denounce ourselves to um yeah Obviously sarcasm. Anyway, Spirit Whisperer 2021 gives us $20. Thank you so much. Hi from Victoria, BC. I will never comply. My brother died suddenly recently after getting his fourth jab, which was required for his job. Oh my gosh. Spirit Whisperer. I don't know if you're still there. What is the job? What what job is it that's still mandating a fourth jab? That is insane. Wicked. Mm -hmm. Truly. Um, and and how old was your brother? I'd like to know that too. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened. Yeah. But yeah. You know, I just, I'm, I'm shocked that people are still going out and getting their boosters. Um, I've spoken to more and more people come to me now and they say, I was injured after the first dose. So I don't know how people went ahead and got their second doses, but like the third and the fourth, I mean, I guess I know family members as well who have gone ahead and and went that route and all the power to you. Um, Hope that you get a low mRNA dose. Yeah, I uh, did a report with a lady um, whose mother dropped dead within 15 minutes of getting the Moderna vaccine. 
And then, you know, she had already had her vaccine. So that was one, but then she saw her mother drop dead. She got the second one. She ended up hospitalized right away. She got the third and was hospitalized as well. And I did yeah. ask her in the follow-up report, why? And she uh, yeah, basically at that point. said, you know, she, she felt like she could have the same thing from getting COVID or the vaccine. So it's like, what do you do? And it's just, it was so powerful. I think the messaging, do your part. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the first story. Very good story. What a very horrible story, but I mean, good in the way that it really details. A lot of people were, or still are upset with the Trudeau's, the public health officers, the Teresa Tams. But if you go through the story, you watch the cover up was even the little men, like the, the mother's home uh, decided just on their own, you know, Trudeau wasn't making this happening, but they decided to send out a letter to all of the parents and they, or the kids, I should say, of the elderly people that they were in the home and sent it out and said, oh, everything went great with the vaccines. There was just a couple of sore arms. Well, they forgot that she was still on the, the notification list. And she's like, what do you mean? My, my mother died. And you just told everybody everything was fine with all of the patients. So it's like no one made them do that. They could have just said nothing. And so that's really, right. really scary. Yeah, I guess anecdotally, um, my husband lost his job in the fall of 2022. But what year is it? Yeah, the fall of 2021. Sorry, over the yeah. mandates and a bunch of yeah, his colleagues, uh, they because they they held out, they held out, they said, oh no, we're not going to do it. And then when push really came to shove, and they said, no, you're going to be fired if you don't go out and get your two doses. So the his colleagues went out and started getting injected, and so many of them were off with with various illnesses, um, mm -hmm. heart problems, like swelling, just really weird, bizarre. Uh, symptoms. And yeah. um, his one supervisor was a young, healthy, fit male, uh, no, had no pre-existing health issues. And he ended up being hospitalized and hooked up to heart monitors and had all these, you know, these abnormal heart readings and chest pain and so on and so forth. And they and he looked around and he's, he says, this is a shell of a crew that we're working with because they're all sick or having these various issues. And you're, are you really still going to hold out on this policy? Are you going to force me mm. to comply? And he just didn't want to, um, he didn't want to divulge his personal medical information. So he didn't think that it was his, any of his employer's um, business and he worked primarily alone and outside so there was no risk really in his, yeah. his env work environment. And they still went ahead and enforced the mandate, despite the fact that there was clear evidence of harm. Um, mm -hmm. And so yeah. that's what we what we saw across the board. And it's really, yeah. really unfortunate that this happened to people because a lot of people took the jab to keep their job, but then they were unable to work because mm -hmm. of the adverse effects they were suffering from the jab. So it yeah. just really doesn't make any sense And then sense you can't work all. anywhere. You can't work anywhere when you're in that condition. So you need your help, right. you know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, we have an update right. here from Spirit Whisper. Thank you. I went to look at the chat. It's so hard to follow the chat while we talk and, and find links and do all these things. Um, but we have an update here. I just saw Spirit Whisper, another 10. Thank you. You didn't have to uh, do oh, that. But yeah, my brother worked for the city of Victoria. He just turned oh, wow. 55 and was in good health. Oh, my so goodness. sorry to hear about that. I wonder... Drea, maybe that's a story for you. Yeah. City of Victoria is still enforcing mandates. 
Yeah, shoot me an email just so I have your contact. We can chat more, Andrea.Humphrey at rebelnews.com because I literally had no clue there was uh, somebody, let alone government, uh, mandating for jabs. So I would love to talk to you some more about that. That's Drea.Humphrey at rebelnews.com. Great. Well, thanks so much, Drea, for your time and for chatting with me here. Thanks to all of our uh, donors and subscribers who sent us a super chat or whatever it's called on Rumble or Rumble Rant. Um, thanks, everybody behind the scenes who made this live stream and our daily roundup make it possible every day. And super producers Olivia and Efron, who are so fast getting us the links of stories that as we're talking about them in real time, yeah. they can just like pull them up out of the vault. Um, that's it's amazing. Amazing. Uh, so thanks to everybody who does all the hard work. It's not just Drea and I, we're up front and center, but there's so many people behind us who make this possible. So thanks everybody. And um, same time and place tomorrow, two rebels will join you to dissect more news of tomorrow's day. As David Menzies would say, stay safe and stay sane. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company's Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you-know-what. Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today.